You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Fantastic from the Russian Leg Sweep. I'm here with uh, my co-host. I'm Sam. What's up, Sam? Uh, not much. And Mikey. You know, when we were uh, putting together this podcast, I was really looking for the easiest way to do things. We did some searching, and we found Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or on your computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. Like, that's what I do. I make it sound great. You know? They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and many more. They'll get you everywhere you need to be. Like Korea. Korea. They'll listen to you in Korea. South Korea. Thank you, Anchor. (laughs) You can easily make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. That means we're making money right now by reading this ad. Like, I could just listen to it and I'd make money? Right. We would make money. What? With no minimum listenership. Please. I mean, if you, I mean, you're listening to us right now anyway, so you're checking So out you're Anchor. already on Anchor. So I appreciate that. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Right now. Do it. Do it. Do it. Now on with the show. Due to the graphic nature of this program, viewer discretion is advised. And leg sweep. On tonight's episode, or today's episode, depending when you're listening, we're going to talk about the 1996 Royal Rumble. We are leaving 1995 in the rubble because we don't need that kind of negativity in our lives. <laughs> Am I right, boys? Negative. I love negativity. You know that. <sighs> Negative Nancy it. for today. How you doing? I'll tell you what, we're like the yin and yang of positivity and negativity. I thought you were going to say yin yang twins. Oh, that'd be and dope too. Yes, yeah, that'd be cool. When you see my. Yeah, bitch. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> my name is Mike Fantastic, and I'm with my co host, as always, the co founder of Cut. Th- pardon me, the co founder of. Wait, the founder of Cutthroat Productions, <laughs> horrorcore icon, comatose, the co host of the wildly successful. Saturday Omaha podcast, which is also a radio show here in Omaha on KIOS 91.5. The NPR affiliate? Is that what, is that what it is? It's just the NPR, I guess, network? It's, I don't it, know what the fuck it is. It's just yeah, NPR. On the NPR network, this is Mr. Sam Roach, a.k.a. Comatose. Yo, yo, yo. We in the building. 
and the co-host of the moderately successful Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. <laughs> the founder of Misfit Toys Special Effects Makeup, the star of stage and screen. You may know him as Tweaky the Clown. He is the co-fucking-something of the Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. He is the king of salsa, Mikey Taylor. I thought he was the king What's of happening? jambalaya. No, he not, well, he does make a mean jambalaya, but he is also an established salsa dancer. Oh, okay, a salsa dancer. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just like a salsa. Recognized. The chip yes. salsa. Okay. I'm good at that, too. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, he no, can, I, was, uh, I, was, I was recognized as a fantastic salsa dancer once when I was drunk in Mexico. Huh. And you can find that story on the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour in the, what, what's, our, what's our network called, Mikey? That is the Electronic Media Collective. You can That's find right. that at electronic, electronicmediacollective.com. All kinds of great shows there, including this one and the other one that we were speaking of. The Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. Now, right. ladies and gentlemen, how, uh, the week, we're going we're gonna to do something a little different. We're going to uh, talk about our shows. Sam Rocha? Yeah. Give us a little... How was your fatter day? Fatter day? Uh, it was... Interesting. Uh, I don't want to give away the farm because we haven't done the podcast for it, but uh, we went to Correct. Isla Del Mar. Little, uh, well, actually not little. It was actually a relatively big uh, seafood Mexican joint down in South Omaha, 36th and Q. I had some exotic fish meats that I've never had, and uh, you'll want to tune in to Saturday Omaha on KIOS 91.5 FM and check that out when it drops. And here, and here are the weird meats. And Mikey, what did the boys over at Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour talk about this week? We talked about the, we well, we did a three-hour retrospective of <laughs> how Hulk Hogan parlayed his successful in-ring career for a mediocre acting career. Incredible. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that is an experience. <laughs> That's it was an experience to do. So tune in over there, give it a, give it a whirl. If you haven't already, go subscribe, like, go, go, you know what, go, uh, we need more reviews. We don't have enough reviews. You know what I mean? On, on yeah, your like I think local we, podcast review thing or like on, on, on Twitch, like, we need Twitch reviews. Uh, no, like on, on like the Apple podcast yeah. or wherever you listen yeah. to podcast. I think, Spotify. I think that helps a lot to get, to get viewership out there, get, get n- more of a minimum listenership. There you go. That's it, what I was looking for. When you said yeah. viewership. I didn't hear the correct pronunciation from your people of, of, uh, ethnicity. They make that, let, that let pee me, pop. Let me, <laughs> I do make that pee pop. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> also, nothing like a good other, pop. Mm-hmm. Let me get the other uh, catchphrase out of the way. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cause I don't think, yeah, we'll, we just, we'll, oh, maybe we might use it because of uh, an entrance in the Royal Rumble, perhaps. Oh, yes, yeah. I, I that was one spot that I hope one of you guys did some research on, but we'll talk about that because um, I did not. That's what I hope Sam did some research on. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't research. That's Holy Mike's Sam. job. I just commentate. Yeah, I know. I, I am color commentary. I dropped, I dropped the ball because I was making Easy Mac. Like right when I started to do that, I got distracted by, oh, I need some Easy Mac. So I went and made some Easy Mac, and then I started doing something else, and then I got here. So there's really no real excuse for me not to have the information that I want but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, Sam Rocha, how was your week? Easy Mac. Sorry. Going easy, back to mail, Mailbo. So shout outs. <laughs> shout outs to Mailbo. Shout outs to Kevin. 
hero. All my hero films. What's up? Um, work, how was work. my week? Week like personal work. life? Like you know, just went to work. Whatever you want to talk about. Did some work things. Um, nothing really super spectacular has happened. Uh, you know, we did the watch along. That was uh, pretty taxing to sit there for three and a half hours and stream. Yeah. Our batteries died halfway through. We only had one camera left. Um, I'll tell you what, the numbers yeah. look good, though. The numbers look good. Look good. Look good, yeah. Um, nothing really. I mean, Ghost's new record came out today or yesterday. Oh, my God. Which uh, I heard Mikey likes a little sunshine, which kind of makes me. Yes. It gives me a little sunshine in my heart, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, I found a ghost Sunday, like. Yeah. Other than that, there's not much going on. Just a lot of, you know, fucking proverbial pans in the fire and iron rods being stoked, you know. Always something on the horizon. Classic Sam poking with the iron rod. Am I right? You are Am correct. I Am I right? Am I right? Mr. Mike Taylor, how was your week, sir? Uh, my, my week was good. Um, don't know what I really did. Uh, went and saw a few bands. Uh, saw the goddamn gallows, British City Centers. Kind of some folksy, gutterbilly punk stuff. Uh, I love the phrase gutter Billy. Yeah. It, well, it, it, once you hear the, the, especially the goddamn gallows, it fits because it's not really rockabilly. It's not really bluegrass. It's just kind of sounds like, it sounds like something you would hear, um, in, in a train yard. If the people in the train yard like thrash music. Interesting. In all you the know, train yards I've ever been in, they do indeed like thrash music. That's a yeah. I'm just a wondering if take. it could be called hobocore. They have called a hobo hobocore. Yes, <laughs> it's hobo they music. Have. That's great. Yep, they have guys with the kerchiefs and, and real, sticks. The, that's every one of the guys in that band. That's exactly what they look like. <laughs> yes, Nailed. and they do a co- they do a wonderful cover of um, "I'm in League with Satan" by Venom. Hmm. The, ho- the hobo true. rendition of I am in league and say with Satan. Oh yeah. It's a lot of screaming. <laughs> Love it. Little venom. Classic yeah. venom. Venom. But other than that, I, I did, did a little uh, workshop with, uh, to further my, my career as a hypnotist. This and that was yeah, yeah. very interesting. And I'm going to be doing some more of that tonight. Uh, my mentor has a show and I'm going to, uh, to be in attendance just to, if nothing else, just watch and learn. Plug the show, sir. Where's it at? Tell people where to go. Uh, that'd be a Phillies, Phillies bar in La Vista, Nebraska at eight o'clock tonight. And I hear that it might get a little touch naughty. They requested a little bit more adult show. So that's where I might come into play because I'm the little more adult side of the the hypnosis team that we have. She's quite the filly. Yeah. Mike and they do Taylor. have good Phillies. I used to work there. It's they have I cooked I cooked at that bar. Fantastic Phillies. You're a fantastic Philly, Technically, you're a fantastic Philly. Who is you? Mm-hmm. Me? Or Mikey? Me? Mikey. Who? The guy that starts with Mike. Who? Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Either or. It's Either open way. for interp. Either way. Who? Mm-hmm. Who? Who? Either Who? way. Mikey, adult hypnotist. Yes. And I don't mean as like a grown-up hypnotist. I mean, no. you know, as an adult hypnotist. Naughty. Naughty hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think Naughty's the way to go. Naughty, yeah. Naughty's really Naughty by nature. So, uh, Ridge Holland broke Big E's neck last night. How I about heard that, guy? that. Yeah. What a nightmare. 
What was did you see the spot or I just saw the yes. Twitter? What happened? It was break it down. Belly back over, over the head two over the head yeah. suplex. And, yeah, it was like uh, a, it was like a big German suplex and. Uh oh, lost Mikey. Oh no, Mikey, Mikey. Anyway, he dropped him on his fucking head. <laughs> but the belly to Broke back or neck. belly to belly? It was a belly to belly. But it tossed him over the head, and he landed. He landed pretty square. It's pretty scary. Pretty scary. Um, but like he can move all his digits and shit. He sent out a little video. Oh, he's back. Hi, Mikey. Mikey, hey. back. Yeah, You're I'm back. Right? Yeah. Um, no, I was. I was just. I know you guys were talking about kind of the video that he sent out. What struck me was he had he broadcasting from his hospital bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wanted to tell his fans he was okay. He informed everyone he had a broken neck with a smile on his face. Yeah. I Sometimes mean, you what, do that. Yeah, what positivity, I mean, really. <laughs> the power of it. Yeah. yeah. Really, the power of positivity, right, in your face. I mean, we did film a music video after you did a car wreck, so, huh? Yeah, and I have broke my neck before, and I told people smiling, so I I can relate. <laughs> You've been there, done yeah. that. Thanks, Biggie, for you, copying yeah. Mike's trails. Fucking, it, I just appreciate being able to influence such an important person. You know, in, <laughs> during his time of need. I used to right? I used to um, think Vince McMahon had a spy satellite in my backyard, but this further cements the fact that he does. It's quite possible. Mm-hmm. It is indeed quite possible. Back in the days of um, my backyard wrestling, we would do angles and, and things and then would be later repeated two weeks on some show. I'm like, see, they're just stealing our ideas. See what they did. See, do you want to, do you want to give everyone your background and back, backyard wrestling? I think that like me my and Mike back- are the only ones. No. Why do we want to talk about my, <laughs> just, just give a little bit of a background, just a, a brief overview. Well, we started backyard wrestling in 95, 96. I think it was 17, so 96, yeah. So right around this time, if I was like, what were you, you doing? You know what? This might have been, no, because it was January. We started in the summer of 96. Um, but uh, that would kind of be the thing. The CWO, the Chaotic Wrestling Organization, not the world order that everyone started doing. Um, we had the Platform of Pain, which was like this little five-foot platform we put next to the mattress on the ground and had a ladder and some tables and stole some street signs from construction sites. So we had those and I you know we had about seven or eight different wrestlers. Uh, Eric Dreer of uh, OWA fame nightshade started uh, in the CWO. He became the Omaha's first hardcore champion with the OWA. So, you know, one of, one of our backyarders kind of got into it and then funny cross pollination section, the NWWA, the new wave wrestling Alliance, hosted uh sanjay dutt aka nightmare in the backyard you know sanjay dutt he wrestled in uh impact for a while big indie superstar czw he is a current producer for aew oh he is a producer i did not know that that's awesome indeed wow. he is. so yeah yes, yes, so i mean kind of a little bit of a claim to fame there you know there's backyard wrestlers that are kind of made it out so it's kind of cool I mean, I think te- I think technically every wrestler ever maybe started out of his backyard in the eighties. <laughs> Anybody be- yeah. born in seventy seven and up probably wrestled in the backyard at one day, at time or another. So I made it in at seventy seven. I'm gonna just throw that out there. See, real late seventy seven. I bet you did a, at least a bedroom match with Matt Levitt once or twice. Oh, you know, one time me and Matt Levitt were boxing. Like Matt Levitt is now a trained he he's he's a legitimate like trained boxer through Punch Fitness, right? <laughs> 
but like when we were kids, we had boxing gloves and I was the first person to learn how to throw a jab Mm -hmm. and I jabbed him in the face and split his nose open. He bled (laughs) all over the place. But now Matt could probably beat my ass because I can't box. I'm very tired. But like, yeah, that happened. Did but you, but did you guys have wrestling matches? Because this is a wrestling. I think it was. More, I, th- I mean, we watched wrestling. But at, the, ma- was at, like the, at the manhole, you weren't like, "Let's go have a match." No, <laughs> we played baseball. That's bullshit. Yeah, we we didn't have outside matches really. I don't know. I mean, we That's probably fun. had some matches. I don't. I don't. I just don't remember. I don't remember scrapping with Matt in wrestling form. Okay. Fair enough. Mikey, did you ever do a little bit of uh, bedroom backyard wrestling? I mean, I know you do with the females, but I'm talking mm. male well, to male. I, I live in the country. Yeah, you do. So we would have we would have barn matches. You'd go Holy up, shit. And so it would be, uh, instead of having a, a an actual ring or a mat or a platform or a mattress, we just had a big pile of hay. And oh. if, you've, if you've ever handled hay or straw or alfalfa, it cuts the shit out of you. Pokey pokey. So. <laughs> yeah, so it sucked. But yeah, we all the neighborhood kids would get together and we we would wrestle in the barn. Yeah, yeah. see, yeah, little barn party. Yeah, it would be a little barn bar, barn parties. Yeah, we had a lot of those too. There you go. Once burned a barn down having a party. On a, so an accidental barn burning. Yes, it was an, it was a barn burner accidentally. Barn burner. Do you want to yes. talk about that, or is that like admitting crime? <laughs> I, I think it's. I think the statute to limitations have been. Um, expired and i think that i was caught because uh i i tried to stomp the fire out mm. and then i decided just to hide my shoes my white <laughs> shoes with white laces in my closet and start mm. wearing these old shoes and so my mom went in search of the shoes that were missing and found that the laces were all melted into the eyelets and Oof. asked does this have anything to do with that barn burning down i said i don't know Coincidence. Now, no, these the shoes fire? were on the heat register. That's, that's yes. the problem. Were you There's... the fire starter? I was not the fire starter. Were you I don't the punking know who was. instigator? Yeah. yeah. I don't know who was. Sorry. So you were yes. <laughs> you, you... I always thought that if, if I was if I was, you know, to to get an entrance theme for something, I always wanted something off of that album, that prodigy album. The and fat I think of it was the land. Si- Serial mm-hmm. Thriller was was the one that I selected. Serial Thriller. Yeah. You you are a serial thriller. Why, thank you. Every day. I try. <laughs> Just let that sink in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm letting it sink. There it is. <laughs> I, I feel really good about it. There you go. Guys. Yeah. 1996. I January. Was, I was 17. I, you know what? I must have been 17, too. Or maybe 18. No, you were older than me. You're, you're two years older, bub. Well, yeah. I had, you know what? I just turned 19, I yep, guess. Yep, there you go. No. Yeah, you would have just I turned been 20. I, yeah, I, I would have been 20 years old. I would have been probably hammered when this event went on. <laughs> we're going to take you to the Selland Arena in Fresno, California, with 9,600 other people. I like how you whispered to me. It's central. It was... It, this venue is jam-packed. There was standing, standing room only. The world was pumped. For the 1996 Royal Rumble. So central. You know, um, before before the Royal Rumble, this is coming off the events of the December 17th, 1995, In Your House 5 pay-per-view, which was titled Season's Beatings. We're going to, like I said, that left 1995. We're, we're co- going into 1996 with, uh, you know, like we do every year with the Royal Rumble. Um, I wish if we had music, I would play One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and... Uh, boys to men because that was the song 
Yeah, you can't do that on Twitch. Sorry, bud. Yeah, we don't we don't do music. <laughs> you know what they can do? They can slap up stickers though. Huh? Yeah, so throw up some stickers from Raya Carey and the Boys to Men. Yeah, I left those up there for the podcast. I just turned them down so they won't overpower the podcast. Boys, we've got a hell of a show. One thing I know, like the pre in a little preface. Mm-hmm. This show was so much better than almost anything we watched in 1995. And Mikey had mentioned before the cast when we were talking, it's the same talent. So I don't know. He Something must have changed in the writing or something. But Had to have. This, this was a very entertaining show. I have a theory on that. I think it's because of the uh, putting Jim Cornette on creative. Was G- is Jim Cornette actually in creative at this point? Yeah, that's why Vince McMahon brought him in. Was okay. to put him on creative. I think his so run Jimmy was from 96 to 99, 2000, right around there. That's what well, he this, was this, booking. That actually makes a lot of sense because I tell you what, this, this show was, was entertaining as hell. And it started, um, the, the pay-per-view started with a video, which is later copied recently by WWF of Sonny in a bathtub. <laughs> right. Bubbles looking lovely, talking about... Indiscre- indiscretion or discretion, li- like very funny. The first thing Lived. I noticed, I, I said in my head, is like, my, how times have changed. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. right. She, well, she's I mean, a fucking mess. Boy, is she. How, uh, she's in the penitentiary right now, I believe. Yes, she is. Yes, but she, yeah. she was very lovely in 1996. In her prime. Mm-hmm. And we, we recently did that with Liv Morgan. Uh, that gimmick didn't stick, but she was, she was in a bathtub for several weeks in vignettes. Before they changed her back to regular Liv Morgan. Did she ever get out um, of the tub or she just sat in a tub for like six um, weeks? In my mind, she got out of the tub every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In I'm my mind, she, she just lived out. in the tub. She just was pruning. <laughs> She's all have, about to have slippage. Her hands are about How about to fall to in a tub? How about in a tub though? In a tub. Like, I miss in a tub. Taco polish. Sure. <laughs> we have Vince, uh, Vince McMahon and Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect on, on commentary. Um, not one of my favorite combinations, but they, they, they got the job done. Yeah. Kurt Hennig is, uh, not perfect, not perfect not, on commentary. No, his, his commentary does not age well in any way, shape or form. Um, the brief moments, my wife actually came out and watched some of the pay-per-view with him this morning. She's like, this is the worst commentary I've ever heard. And she has been privy to a lot of Excalibur. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, Vince, we, we Vince start, is horrible on commentary though. Actually, he never says I mean, anything. I, I counter that. I actually love Vince. Vince is such the the square commentary. Like he calls it like he's watching baseball with Yeah. And he has his notes. He comes in low and starts out high and then comes back down. And he does it all the time. And he keeps talking and then go, oh, and he has a good Right. He's he he's like the super white guy. Yeah, he has a super <laughs> like, like commentary voice. And actually he, re- he reminds me of a guy who's doing a commercial for a furniture store. Sure. And and that to day- me, I was I was brought up on that wrestling almost because I, you know, McMahon started what in 88, 89, around there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of the voice of, of what I grew up listening to. So actually I felt real comfortable. I really enjoyed his commentary. I thought the yin to his yang was perfect. He seemed like a really shitty Jerry Lawler. Like Try to be funny, yeah, try to put in wit, yeah. but it was just kind he's of fell definitely flat. No, he's no macho man. He's no Jesse the body like Kurt Hennig. Yeah. Was, I, I don't know why he was. I don't remember why he was doing commentary at the time, but he had left the ring at this point and was doing commentary. Uh, he had gotten injured. 
Is that what happened? And he had a Lloyd's of London policy that was paying him. Oh, really? Yes. That's a legitimate thing. It was really insured by Lloyd's of London. Then the policy ran out and he said, you know, I don't, I guess I'm not that hurt. (laughs) He went right back. My problem with Vince McMahon's commentary, it's not his voice or his style or his delivery. He doesn't ever say anything. No. He'll, he'll. He'll say, "Oh, there he's." No, never mind. And then he's gonna, <laughs> he does. Anyway, but now here we go. Oh, no, no, we don't. And then we, everything else is great if he would just say fucking words. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of like, when what do we have Hennig, here? Or or when Hennig would be like, "Oh uh, my," he would make a point. Yeah, like kind of like that. Like he'd make a point and then he'd go, "Oh, I don't think so." <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. or he just move forward. And, uh, like Hennig, will, you know, Hennig would say something and he'd go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like well, okay. Thanks for adding that, Vince. Yeah, you can really tell that Henning was trying to pop him like the entire, uh-huh. <laughs> the entire time. Now, um, I, I might come into this this commentary on the pay per view with a little surliness. I watched it at four o'clock this morning. Wow. Oh yeah. And then went to work. <laughs> so yeah, that's gangster. You know what? I I love surly Mikey. Let's be honest. <laughs> There's gonna uh, be we some. Start, we start the pay per view with a bang, guys. A very well-oiled Ahmed Johnson versus Jeff Jarrett. Now, is that oiled as in he's just oily or oiled as in he can actually wrestle? Because I will disagree with you. He is incredibly oily. Okay, thank you. Like, he is a glistening, (laughs) shiny man coming out second. Jeff Jarrett got the first entrance, and he came out with an incredible double J jacket, a glowing cowboy hat, like, really, really overdone. Um, something that I caught that, that I took from this match, Jeff Jarrett is very much so the poor man's Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. He is literally, he had literally stole every single thing he does from Ric Flair just country up Flair. to the figure four. Yeah. He's, he's country Ric Flair. Um, but that match, the, the match was fine. Like I, I wasn't offended by anything. I, I kind of enjoyed the back and forth. Uh, also Derek Lewis, the black beast from UFC. I think, does he take? From Ahmed Johnson's crawl on the ground in the tongue after a big move, I didn't. I, I didn't even think of that. I, I thought of that today. I'm like, huh, did, was Derek Lewis an Ahmed Johnson fan? Who knows? I know Who Derek knows? Lewis is a, a fan of professional wrestling, so it would make sense. He's just a little bit younger than us. It could. It could absolutely be a thing. I, you know what? And, and I. I liked Ahmed Johnson just in general. I, I was a fan of him as a kid, um, and he took one hell of a chair shot, or pardon me, a guitar shot. Um, Might have killed the normal man. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know. You, I know. Uh, you, Jake the Snake Roberts said up until about ninety eight, ninety nine, they'd use balsa wood in those years. So in ninety six, that would actually been a non gimmick. They would have just taken out the screws and shit so they could hit him. That was all hard way. Like that, yeah, guitar. that was one hundred percent a real live guitar that they yeah. picked up at the guitar center earlier that day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I thought Ahmed looked great. He had they 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 pushed him to the moon. He just couldn't stay healthy and he didn't have the ability to use what they gave him. I I, I was a fan. Go ahead. No You know, I was a fan, but I, he just didn't have the talent. I, I, my, my thing with Jeff, and this is what I called him as a kid, Jeff Jujubi. Um, Jeff is definitely to me, even though I'm, I'm not a fan of any of his gimmicks, he's been very much a good, uh, ring general. He can make Ahmed look good. 
I think mm-hmm. Ahmed bumps like absolute shit. He falls like a ton of bricks every time when you watch him take anything. It's almost frightening sometimes. And there was, uh, he had the top rope spot where he, it was like, a Houston hangover that he missed. Yeah. And he landed it terribly. Like he did not flat yeah. back that at all. It was like, where on his ass. It was like leg ass. And then back, like he can fuck up his legs. And I just, I noticed in his over the top rope plancha that he did <laughs> like, his shoulder and maybe his forearm hit Jeff and the rest was to the fucking guardrail. I was like, bro, you just terrible. But think of, you know, the thing that I love about double J Jeff Jarrett is good. God, does he sell things? I mean, between moves, he'll just lay and make faces and do all types of just the small shit that counts that makes someone look good. And I really enjoyed that. And like you said, the, the classic heel ending with the guitar smash, even though Jeff Jarrett was like, fuck it, it's a loss, but I'm still a winner. I I've, I loved the ending to that match. I gave it like two and a half stars just because Ahmed is – I think Ahmed as a child loved him. As an adult, watching him as a more analysis guy, garbage. So – it but definitely think he sold that he sold that guitar shot great though where he oh yeah he hit him and he just kind of stiffened up yeah. and, and collapsed and timbered and then when if you noticed when he sat back up he even very subtly adjusted the guitar so it would stay around his neck mm-hmm. yeah because it was coming off of his head and he kind of pushed it to where it settled back down to where when he sat up it was still around his neck yeah I, I thought that was a great spot but he chased Jared out. Jared's yeah. already walking because he hit the curtain. He had finished his little jog and he was walking and Ahmed ran and caught it. Yeah. Like no, so no you, sold it afterwards. Like bro. Yeah. yeah. You should have stayed yeah. in that the ring or not. Yeah. The effects were not that, uh, that long. Yeah. Yeah. He got that adrenaline boost and shut up. But I think overall that match was a plus. Like yeah, I think I, so. Yeah. I, fine. I, I start all my matches. I gave it two and a half. Like that's right. Two, right down the yeah. middle. That's fine. Right. It's fine. Down the middle. It was better than anything we saw in uh, in '95. I, I wish I was a part of '95 because I just shitty wrestling is fun to watch sometimes. Oh, but we'll I, but I'm glad to hear it was we'll better. We'll get than some shitty wrestling. Don't worry. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, WCW is up eventually. Yeah, it, it wasn't even fun to watch at a, at the point that we finished doing it. It was it was a tough thing before yeah. that we got to the ECW portion. But neither here nor there. Next, we go to Todd Pattengill, who is interviewing Big. Big D, Diesel himself. The big D. Um, Todd Pettengill. God, I don't miss him. No. Remember when he had the earring and the feather and like the 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 Padawan thing going? <laughs> My bro, what do you? Yeah. You have the, the, you have, like you had the weirdest mullet Jedi thing going on, and I just hated it. And uh, did anyone? Ninety six, ninety five is just cringy for. Things. Hair in general, just yeah. things in wrestling. Just ooh. Dory Funk's hair. Let's ju- let's jump ahead. Let's, Dory let's Funk's not hair. jump ahead and let's talk the about greatest Dory skullet later. of all time. We'll find out. We'll talk. Um, <laughs> A little teaser on the, the skullet. Yeah, <laughs> mid show <laughs> teaser. Um, I want to jump back to the, the this. Also, this pay per view had the first ever pre show. It was called Live Wire, and it was on the the pay per view channel. Um, and it featured Triple H in a match against Duke the Dumpster Drossy, um, which initially uh, Triple H won using brass knucks, uh, but Gorilla Monsoon had none of it, came out and overturned it. So Triple H got the number one and turned into the Royal Rumble. Duke the Dumpster Drossy was number 30. Wanted to cover that because that, that is also a significant thing. The pre-show is a staple now. 
Um, and this was the first time that WWF had done a pre-show. So that's important. So jump, jump back there, and then we move to Tom Matt Johnson, the Todd Pettengill interview. Um, and then we get into a cringe fest of Kurt Hennig commentary. Um, <laughs> it is the body Donnas with Sonny in a very revealing cheerleader suit against the champion ass daddies, otherwise known as the gun, the smoking guns, yeah. the smoking guns. The cowboys in the jeans. So two cowboy Bart gimmicks in Billy. a row, and we're not done yet for the night. We're not. <laughs> this is just like, you know, I was, I noticed that. I'm like, good gravy. How many country gimmicks of, do we need in one show? A lot of cowboys in 96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it, Gar- Garth was big. You know, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Achy breaky, all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, it was, it was the era of the cowboy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Shit. So, yeah. What a, what a time to be alive. Body Don is smoking um, guns. I just want to throw this out. Body Donna's, uh, they're walking out. Kurt Henning says, I wonder how she trains these guys. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> That's what I said to Kurt. I was like, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, and he just, he continually did it. The whole, he's like, I, I, she's I, not like, what? go ahead. I really think through like 95 all the way through 2003, the sexist remarks are just out of control. Just oh, crazily man. out of control. And it was and almost like. Anti- it was almost like a WWE staple just to be like, let's throw in as many subliminal sexist remarks as we can. It's just and weird. the anti-gay rhetoric is out of control. Yes. Like, yes. He's so it's hot like went, and so strange. Oh, my God. It, w- it <laughs> went from the 80s being overly racist. Mm-hmm. They took that. They're like, okay, this isn't good anymore. They took that out and they go, we need to replace it with something, though. Let's be sexist. Here we go. <laughs> they just they just interchange those two things. Like we're good now. We're we're good. <laughs> the uh, the other one that really stood out was she's not like other women, man. She's smart. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Why can't why why Ooh. doesn't anyone go, all this shit is out of the network? How come cancel culture isn't fucking feasting on this shit? Right. They've because already it is they've so already cringy. And they've cut through so much of it already. So this is like, this is the fat after the fat that's already been trimmed. But that's fine. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's 96. We're fine. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Um, I watched it as a 17-year-old. Didn't think anything about it. Thought it was kind of funny. Now as an adult. Yeah, but it got got us in trouble later. Yeah, it sure did. (laughs) It sure did. (laughs) Um. He also threw out a that'll rearrange your nipple, which I'm fine with. Like we can keep that. <laughs> I heard that, that too, and I I made a little teaching. I was like, that's kind of funny. That'll rearrange your nipple. I'm like what? <laughs> All right, Kurt <laughs> yeah, Hennig. Title match. What the hell? Title match. Mean? We we've got uh, the smoking guns again against the body donnas. Mm-hmm. Solid tag team match. There were the body donnas had a couple very strange double team maneuvers where they did shit to themselves, like a back body drop, and they ran into each other. It, I don't know. I didn't really get all the way. Sunny was heavily featured in the production of the sh- of this, where she was shown talking to the camera, doing a little flips, showing her ass. Um, definitely the first diva. This is also so we're leading towards the the diva portion of of wrestling. We're we're getting into the sex uh, driven right because programming is later too. So we're. Yeah, we're revving yeah. up the titties, basically, is what. But it the, is. yeah, this is, she is ba- Marlena is basically the second. She's gear two of the titty revving. Yeah, yeah. 
for but we'll talk more about that too because we can talk about all the anti-gay rhetoric as well. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> it's coming <Yay>. up. <laughs> exactly. I actually kind of like the match, but like I said, I thought I thought the match was good. The the smoking guns retained the belt with a with a fun fun little finish. Um, Billy Gunn looks exactly the same. Bart Gunn was in really great shape. Bart Gunn had a fantastic uh, mustache. Man, did he? he did. Mm-hmm. Um, a solid match, I guess. Overall, it was. Eh. Again, something that's kind of right up the middle. There was nothing that was egregious, but egregious. But uh, it was, it was, it was what it was. What do you guys think? I'll yeah, go. go ahead. Uh, both tag teams, in my opinion, rather uncharismatic. I'm, I'm the the smoking guns are cowboys because the music said so and their jeans said so. That was really about it. Like they're stuck in great this, couple pairs of jeans. Right? Great couple pairs. I don't know how right. wrestling in tight Wranglers translates. I would feel like I'd rip my pants every night, but uh, mm-hmm. I pull it off. I, and I, I think the body dom is body don is gimmick. What is their gimmick? Is it good bodies? Is it blue suits? Is it sunny? I why are they the body don? All those things. Well, I'm, you I'm, just broken down. But to, but to me, it's not even a gimmick. <laughs> they're like we wear blue. We're not kind of in shape because Chris Candido got pretty jacked and stacked in ECW. Like he became almost Greek godlike, but here he was still kind of chubby. And Chris Candido, I don't know if anyone knows this, but he's on the shorter side of things. He's like five eight, five nine around there. Um, so well, not anymore. <laughs> oof. Sorry. Rest in peace, Chris Candido. Um, <laughs> and then Zip, or is it Zipper Skip? Zip. Skip was Chris Candido. Thank you. Zip is the other guy. Like he was just a hockey puck. He was just one of those thick boys. Not not mm. fat, not in shape, just a thick boy. And he was not like a body donna. No, not not at all. The only body donna in body donnas was Sonny. Like it should have just been Sonny. And that's I actually noted that. I was like, Sonny emoted and sold the match more than any four of the performers in the ring. Anytime the smoking guns fucked up the body donnas, she would oversell it. Anytime the body donnas would do something to, to smoking guns, she would oversell the fact that they're winning. She should have won the belts. Fuck both. Fuck all four of them. Give her the belt. She was the star performer. She made the match to me worth watching to me. It was like four nameless guys wrestling for the sake of wrestling and not doing anything very memorable, but like the you belts s- were on the line. The yeah. belts were on the line. I know the belts were on the line. Neither of these fucking people should have had the belt. They were wrestling the, for wrestling. What you said about the remark of, um, Oh God, I forgot what the fuck you said. That'll rearrange your nipple. No, the, 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 the mark of, uh, yeah, fuck it. I lost, I lost my brain. My, my, my thought. All right, man. All right. Um, but I gave this match two stars. I thought I was slightly below average. Neither, neither team was kind of doing anything other than just regular run of the mill wrestling. Oh, I, I remember now what does it say? The, the fact that they kept bumping into each other and doing these weird moves off of each other. I kind of put that in my brain too. It's like, why do they keep like hurting each other while they're wrestling, doing these tag yeah, team maneuvers? It was, it was odd. What was that about? I don't I didn't, know. Did, did they you, always do that? I don't know. Did you ever see the heavenly bodies so. in smoking, uh, smoky mountain? I never saw. Oh them. yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't. I know that's where they came from was smoky mountain as the heavenly bodies. Well, no, no, they, they weren't. I thought they were. One of them was. Oh, okay. One of them was, um, it, it, and this this goes off of what you said about it was just four guys in there, you know, just kind of four no name guys. That's what it felt like when you look. Yeah, when you when you look at who who each one was and what they became. So you know, Chris Candido, we know he went on to superstardom in ECW. Mm-hmm. Uh, his partner Zip, Tom Pritchard, that's he was a heavenly body along with Jimmy Delray. Oh, okay. Uh, was Zip Tom Pritchard? 
That's Tom Pritchard, who now is one of the foremost trainers with Glenn Jacobs at the Pritchard Jacobs Academy of Wrestling. So Kane hmm. and and Zip have a, have one of the best wrestling schools in the country right now. Um, and then you you look at, of course, Billy Gunn still kicking ass. Billy Gunn still still working. Billy Gunn looks phenomenal no, for fifty no, plus years old. Because yeah. you know who and didn't then, look good at fifty plus years old, Dory Funk. Anyways, we'll we'll go to that later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then and then you got Bart Gunn who uh, proved himself, although it was in somewhat of an embarrassing finish to it. He proved himself to be a legitimate badass in the brawl for all. So yeah. when you look at all the pieces that were there, and then you had Sonny, who was flaunting her ass, who was you know, flirting with the camera, flirting with Bart Gunn, instructing the, the smoking guns to tag, like put him in the match. And there was even a comment, oh, look, the body Donnas are now telling the smoking guns what to do, and they're actually doing it. It really makes me wonder, like, if yeah. Tammy Lynn Sitch would have kept her mind right and focused on business and not drugs and all that other shit, where, what she could have done. And wrestling, oh, yeah. because I was, as I was watching her, yeah. I was like, again, my, how times have changed. Like she was like, to me, a ring general outside, like just she making, was a star. yeah, she, she made totally this, got it, dude. yeah, she made this like a, a symphony worth watching. Like she, yeah. just the way she sold to her, for her team and the way she would sell for the opposite team and just fucking with the crowd. I was just like, good God. She was like wonderful doing what she does and too bad she couldn't thought- keep on it this whole program was fun to watch because we have the benefit, you know, watching it then you're just watching a program. Now we have the benefit of watching it with our adult eyes and more education and knowing where some of these people fit later in later years. This match in particular was fun because of where everybody fit and watching and going, this is how they started. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I do think the body Donna's had a bit of a confusion gimmick going on. Mm-hmm. Quite often, they would run into each other. They didn't communicate well. Uh, Sonny would try to mediate between the two, but their gimmick was that they exercised a lot, and neither one of them really looked like they exercised <laughs> exactly. at all. Especially exercise zip. aficionados. Yeah, they are exercisists. I think it was a plus. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think it was bad enough to be a, a negative on the show. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Thought it pushed the story along. And like, say what you want about Tammy Lynn Sitch now. Sonny was a fucking star at yeah. this point. All like, five of them were stars. Yeah, this was a, a yeah. star-studded match. <laughs> a lot of studded belts. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that missed. <laughs> Again, I wonder how she trains these guys. <laughs> um, and then we, go to, we go to a billionaire Ted's wrestling war room. Boy, did we. It is a uh, produced vignette of... A, a Ted Ted Turner uh, sitting with Hulk Hogan, Randy Macho Man Savage, and a bunch of executives, played by actors, of course. I I laughed quite a bit. I'm looking forward <laughs> to TikToking that because I think it'll get about ten thousand views. Um, guys, what do you think, Mikey? You go first. I went first last time. Well, how do you feel about Billionaire Ted? I thought it was. I thought it was a very childish move on, <laughs> on their part uh, to say, I mean, yes, they WCW at the time was picking up all the older talent that was leaving WWF. But 
to put out and say, okay, this the the huckster was mm-hmm. the Hulk Hogan character and the Nacho Man <laughs> to put them out and, and have Billionaire Ted, you know, saying, yeah, we got all the geriatrics, we got all the the has-beens, we got this. Wasn't I mean, yes, to a degree, it that's how it appeared. But those guys were making money. They were made for for WCW and all that. What I found the most uncomfortable was the extreme close up of billionaire Ted's mustache. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. It, I, yeah, it, it, was, it, it was made close. it made me feel dirty. <laughs> it was like, Sam, I'm gonna do this. Oh my god. It, and he was just yeah, and really toothy, and uh, it was just gross. Yeah, it was it was it was rough. Um, yeah. My whole thing, I really found it funny. Like for Vince, the way he carried himself, and like oh, like two years later, he didn't like the fact that he got personally invested in politics because he always says he doesn't care what other people are doing. Like, I don't care what they do. I don't care what they do. No, this one actually pressed your button because you spent money on production. You spent money on actors. You spent uh, airtime on putting this out there. I, I really would have liked to know where, like, the the board meeting room of, of how that came to be. Like, we really should address this. Like, we need to throw some mud. I find that really fascinating considering that Vince has always been like, I don't care what they do. I don't care what they do. They do what they do. Competition is fine. I like competition. Reads this. So it was just, it was really weird to, I thought about that train. Like, was Vince really that butthurt about Hulk and Nacho? Nacho. I called him Nacho. His, his feelings were clearly hurt. A- apparently, yeah. which I found really but weird yeah. for such a, a, a stoic man that he let that slip. Like, I'm hurt. I'm gonna make a dis- Very rare. I'm gonna make a diss track basically against. WCW. There's a reason why he got so hurt. There is a reason why, and it it, it hurt him that Hogan left because Hogan was his big star. Yeah, right. It hurt him more when Savage left because he because just, he Savage, just bounced, didn't he? He was just like all of a sudden yes. on TV the next day. Yes. Yeah. Savage took the Slim Jim money with him, and that pissed Vince off. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Makes that's sense. what happened. Okay. Makes makes so a lot between of sense. the Slim. Between the it was Slim over Jim a Slim money. Jim. <laughs> That's oh, why, yeah. the, he, and he's even featured Daryl eating those Slim Jims constantly yeah. while he was. It, that piss it pissed, pissed Vince off that he took Slim Jim money away. Hit him in the pocket. So yeah, that, other than that, it was just. It seemed like Mike said it was rather childish. Just like okay, this yeah. is uh, this could have been fifteen seconds long, not two and a half minutes, three minutes. Nineteen ninety six, fucking hilarious. Now. Again, kind of cringy. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, after after Billionaire Ted's wrestling war room, we moved to um, we got kind of a Razor Ramon and Goldust retrospective. Uh, kind of vid- this is their uh, video packages are such a staple in their programming now. It's more than the actual wrestling. And at this point, it was still a wrestling show, but they were really working towards where they're at now with the video packages. And this is one of them that, you know, that co- it comes together like a classic WWF, WWE uh, hype package yeah. is really what it was. Yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, we, we dive into this match, which is gold dust. And he comes out with new valets, plural, uh, one, his wife, Tara Reynolds, actually Marlena. We don't know her name at this point. She's the director with an unlit 
cigar. Again, this was in the time of Bill Clinton, so of course that was added raciness, <laughs> an unlit cigar in a woman's mouth. Um, then we had the the valet, or pardon me, not the valet, the uh, the usher mm-hmm. was the yes. other guy that came out, and he managed to Marlena's chair, basically. Um, trying to see if there's anything else that I got. Just a lot of, the, there's a lot of stuff in there with his entrance. I saw a gay dust sign. Um, also, fans yelled the F word directly in his face throughout the match, which was like, God damn, how can... Shit was different in 96, man. <laughs> like, like the fact that that happened, like a wrestling fan feels, again, they're not stabbing them <laughs> or, th- or throwing fucking rocks at them, but it's, it's evolved to now. It, it is. It's really an evolution from like pure violence to hate speech to now it's kind of a polite thing. Uh, yeah, a wonderful, <laughs> a, a weird caveat before that. And I've heard. Uh, Dustin speak about this. He went out as gold dust originally, just as a mysterious character. They, they just went out and they did a couple house shows, see how it would work out. And when he did his first house show with Scott Hall, he did like two of them that wasn't with Scott. And then they started the Scott Hall program on house show circuit, just to see how it would work. Mm-hmm. Scott Hall actually came up with the grab my tits and pull your hands up and down. See what that does. Yeah. And when he pulled that, the crowd fucking went insane. And that right then and there is when Dustin was like, okay, I'm going to push this as far as I can. And it was all because of Scott Hall's idea to, to caress his body and start that shit. And it was Scott Hall's idea to slap him on the ass in the middle of the match too. They talked about that beforehand. He was like, how, how can we push this to the next level? He's like, yeah, well, there's going to be, he was a, some, sometime during the night. I want you, I'm going to sm- smack your ass and I want you to get into it. And he's like, okay, we'll see how that goes. And, it was just because it was eliciting such a great response from the crowd, whether negative, positive, whatever. It was a response that people felt heavily about. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to fucking ride this all the fucking way as much as I can, which I think is really brave of Dustin to be so anti-establishment and, you know, it being 1996, being gay wasn't cool and, you know, it wasn't accepted like it is now. Like I didn't right. care when I was a kid. I thought it was a fun gimmick that. It's just Adrian Street all over again. That's all it is, yep. you know. Right. That's exactly what it is. And right. Adrian Street yeah. was was even cooler, I thought, because Adrian Street to me pushed the boundaries even worse. Because you know he was so flamboyant. Like Goldust still was kind of mystery. Like okay, he had the girl yet, you know. And then when he took his his wig off, you know, Adrian Street had the ponytails, the whole fucking nine and crazy shit. But uh, yeah, I just I, I think that's a really neat thing that Scott Hall kind of helped build Goldust into being flamboyant and out there and, and pushing the boundaries for, for people. So I thought that was really cool. I, this, and this is also kind of a peak for gold dust. This is like a star making performance. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's the alpha male in, in Scott hall against the potentially homosexual gold dust and, and that clash. And that really got the crowd going into it, but also he's touching tongues with his, with it, with his valet mm-hmm. And, and, and like do, Scott Hall slapped his ass. Does Scott like him? Is there, is there some <laughs> right. secret underground? Like, is there some under underlying tension that, that was tackled in this that like, we didn't think about as a, as a youngster, but like that tells that story, the, a very common story of sexuality being a thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it was a yeah. thing and pro wrestling is tackling this where, 
like there, if you look into it, is Scott Hall gay? And this is why he's so mad about it. Right. Like you can look at it now. Like yep. back then it was just like, uh, you know, whatever. But it's very, very interesting how, how it built, built, built. Um, but anyway, this is for the Intercontinental title. Um, the finish was the one, two, three kid jumping in and we got a new IC champion. Mikey, what are your thoughts overall about more than what we've already said, the match itself? I thought the match was fun. Well, yeah, the, the, the match was good. Um, the build of the match was great, mm-hmm. you know, where he had the, the razor tattoo painted on his chest and all that. Now, if I recall right, this angle and championship run was supposed to be Ahmed Johnson and gold dust. Mm. But if, if I'm if I'm remembering my timeline right, there was a backstage vignette where Ahmed Johnson was laid out on a gurney, and Goldust ran up and started giving him mouth to mouth resuscitation. <laughs> That's awesome. Ahmed said, "Not nope. cool with that. Yep. I'm not doing it anymore." And Scott Hall said, I'll "I got gotcha. you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, but it was supposed to be Ahmed Johnson that whole run, and I believe the IC title was supposed to pass through Ahmed, not Razor, to get there. This is another thing where Ahmed Johnson, like Sam illustrated earlier, he kind of dropped the ball mm-hmm. yeah. because Scott Hall was do- willing to go the extra mile and be a little bit more risque for business, you know, to make money. Yeah. Right. It, it was good business. Yeah. Um, and again, this is another situation where, like, look, look where Scott Hall is now. Scott Hall was like Sonny, a fucking star. Yeah, yeah, like he was yep. huge over. Huge yeah. over, and he didn't do anything in the ring. It all punches and, and kicks. And you know, I forgot how over Razor was until I watched that yeah. fucking match. I'm like, oh yeah. Good gr-. I mean, like when I was a kid, loved him. I thought he was the great. Like mm-hmm. he was to me, he was the first tweener character. He was st- Stone Cold before Stone Cold because he had attitude, he had swagger. People cheered him, but he would still do heel shit, and people still cheered it. So I, I, I think he was definitely the trailblazer for that. I don't know if you have more to say about the match, Mikey, but I got a little summation myself. Well, it's it's more about gold dust. You know, you guys kind of were talking about he's supposed to be mysterious. The when he first came to the you know to the show, uh, the the word androgynous was used so much. Yes, and this was around the time that Marilyn Manson was doing his David Bowie, you know, gimmick mm-hmm. with the mechanical animals. So that androgyny was kind of churned back up with with Manson, and. Gold Dust, I think, kind of piggybacked on that, put Adrian Street in there, although Adrian Street did it much better, like you said, because Adrian Street would legit beat your ass for you. <laughs> you know, he was he was a legit tough guy. Um and if he's watching, what's up, Adrian Street? <laughs> because he I mean, let's not take any away from Dustin or fucking Reynolds. Like oh, no, no, not it, at all. No, not it, at all. Not at all. I'll tell you what, that man, like we were talking about Jeff Jarrett selling, like yeah. Goldust made Razor Ramon look phenomenal. He did. Like he really he he is an opponent's opponent. Is it like you you want you want the guys to look good? 1996 Dustin Reynolds is I mean he might not have the best like pro wrestling body or whatever. Mechanic. That dude could wrestle yep. just straight up straight down. And that's not uh, uh, Go ahead, Mike. <clears throat> oh, well, I was going to say uh, the 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 heel 123 kid um I got a kick out of <laughs> Because he just out of nowhere, here comes 
the one, two, three kid with the, you know, the, the long greasy hair and the, you know, the, 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 the rail thin body. And he throws that little spinny kick off the top rope and the match is over. It was like, yeah. what the hell just happened? And I want to say this was after Razor and, and Waltman had their little program mm-hmm. where they did the diaper matches and all that bullshit, you know, on raw mm-hmm. where the loser had to wear a diaper. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun to watch the roles reverse. Because mm-hmm. now, now the kid was the heel and Razor was the face, right? So, g- solid match. I th- I thought the storytelling, the build, and the match was solid because you had two guys in there that could work their asses off, and we had a title change. Yeah. Yes. Which you have to say, Sam? Cool. And my summation of this is: I've got, I wrote two wonderful character characters, like Scott Hall being Razor Ramon is quite possibly one of the greatest acting jobs because. Scott Hall is, I mean, sure he's alpha male, but he's so alpha male mixed with Scarface. It's, it's amazing. Like he he does such a good job. And I remember hearing Scott Hall saying when he first got the razor gimmick, he, Vince was telling him to get the gorilla, get the gorilla, get, which is, if you don't know, get the gorilla is it's the ready position right before you walk out. That's called gorilla. So if you ever hear anybody say gorilla, get the gorilla or gorilla position, that's right before you come out. He's like, go. He's like, no, I'm, I'm going to stand here and make them wait. And his music plays and he waits 25 seconds and then comes out. And of course he's not running. He's not power walking. He's just striding. He's gliding. He's right. taking his time. He's doing something different and he's emoting to the crowd. He's, he's got the sneer. He's got the thing and he's, he's strutting. Love that. To me, someone who, when, who, when they're the character and you can't discern that they're a person playing a character, like you really think Razor Ramon is fucking Razor Ramon. Like I thought that as a kid, I was like, this guy is this guy. Like I would never doubt he was Cuban, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and same with gold dust. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, same, same with gold dust. Like this dude plays his character role wonderfully. Like there is not a doubt in my mind that I thought he was this weird guy who likes to wear wigs and has a hot valet and, Maybe was a real actor, and now he's this fucking creep. You know, I love that, and boils down to believability. Like I believe Razor Ramon is Razor Ramon. I believe Goldust is Goldust, and it was a fine example of match psychology, the ring storytelling, and letting things breathe. Like that's one thing I forgot that I missed about old wrestling as opposed to today's wrestling is letting shit breathe. Two guys, they do a move. There's there there's strenuous movement from the person performing the move. And then there's the aftermath of the person taking the move and then both being tired and letting that moment sit for 20 seconds, 25 seconds. Like Razor Ramon would do a fall away slam to, to gold dust. Razor Ramon would lay there for a minute cause he's tired. Gold dust would sell it wallow down for a minute and it would just sit there and you'd watch people tell the story. Like, okay, there's pain on both of them. Razor Ramon is exhausted. Gold dust is hurt. Like you don't get that anymore. People will pop right the fuck back up. The, right. if the face does some power move, it's, there's no cell, there's no strenuous, there's no strength being taken away from them. And like the person is down the ground for five seconds before the, the face is picking the heel back up to do another move. That is such a lost art. I forgot that I loved that. So that was, it's a, a it's patient storytelling. Exactly. And it's really Mm-hmm. And you only get, we only got that kind of with, I mean, what, well, we did get that with MJF and, and CM Punk. They gave us the breathe, which I, I missed that. I really missed that. Didn't know it. Um, so I think that's a real important thing. I gave this match 
three stars. I would have given it 3.5. I did not like the ending of the one, two, three kid coming in. I know what the point of what it was, but I think if it would have just ended with the Marlena interference, because that's how it started to end. Like Marlena gave on the thing, what, you know, Goldust was getting it. And then one, two, three kid came in while she was doing the distraction. So, I mean, I get the, the playoff of it, but I think it would have been just a Marlena distraction with Goldust doing something and him getting over that heel way without the, the third interference. I would have enjoyed the match better. Right. Um, and it shows, it shows more value with Marlena that, that way. Yeah. It's less, it's, it's what they call overbooking. Yeah. Is what th- that really with the one, two, three kid, but 100%. yeah, 100%. So I would have given it a 3.5 if I would have gotten just the Mark Lena ending and showing her value for the match. So, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it and it re- reminded me of why I loved that type of wrestling a lot. So that was that was really cool. Well, to, to your point of the pacing of the match and the story they told in the ring, I miss the, the build and letting the build. Oh, yeah, breathe. you used to only have four major programs a year you had the big four mm-hmm. and so you had four months to build a story or three months to build a story instead of three weeks like you have now you know it's build the story off the last you know whatever they call them now premium events build the story off the end of that you have three week run to get that story told so that you can have either a little bit of a continuation or a blow off at the next one mm-hmm. This one, that thing built forever. It it had a couple month build, and then boom. Yeah, I missed that. I missed I that really a lot too. Yeah, and thankfully, you know, with with the MJF and and CM Punk thing, that took two to three months to get done, which was great. Loved it because they don't they don't do a premium event every month True. in AEW. Yeah, they, they they do the old school where you have like two or three a year. They do old school with a few hands, not everybody. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Right. I'm going to have an interview in the back and someone's going to hit me. And then we're going to have a match next week. Like that's, I don't think they, I don't think that, that everybody on their roster can do a build like that. That's why. Right. Thankfully, Stephen Regal is there and things will hopefully change. I I am looking forward to that. (laughs) I love Stephen Regal. Anyways, this isn't over. Move it on, Mike, move it on, move it on. Are you sure you guys want to talk more about old school stuff, man? We love it. It's fine. Yeah. Fucking old men doing old men things. You know, people just don't have, they can't, they can't pay attention that long anymore. I I mean, I I really think that's the, the catalyst behind all of it, but yeah, we, we do, we miss a lot of storytelling in professional wrestling and this, this event in particular, the two main singles matches have loads of what Sam outlined. Um, We'll talk, we'll talk more about that with the heavyweight title, but let's hop into the Royal rumble. Um, I think the, the, the best way for me to go through it, I'm just going to go through the order they came in and you guys can offer thoughts as we go. Um, watching it, like I was, I was trying to do it manually. I lost track of Henry O'Godwin. How did he get eliminated? Was he eliminated (laughs) when Jake threw the snake in? I I maybe, I don't know. I got lost a lot too. And then like another, another like point. Vince McMahon didn't even know who the fuck some of these people were. <laughs> like, like th- there were definite times he's like, oh, oh, from the USWA or fucking, this is one of the SWAT team. Like, which one, Vince? But we'll, <laughs> we'll tackle that as we go. Um, the first entrance, as, as outlined from the, from the first ever pre-show, was uh, Hunter Hersomsley started against Henry L. Godwin, uh, precursor to their world-famous slop match. Oh yeah, the slap um, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
then after they went back and forth a little bit, we got Bob Backlund, Jerry Lawler, Bob Hawley, King Mabel. Jake the Snake was in there. Dory Funk Jr., which was my favorite entry, just because, again, what a skullet on that guy. Why, just, my, my, I, I made a note, Royal Rumble. Why is Dory mm-hmm. Funk Jr. in this, and why does he look 82 at the age of 55? Also, <laughs> Dory Funk, Bob Backlund, exact same trunks. Were they? Well, they're in the ring together. They both have these horrible blue trunks on. The only difference were the horrible red knee pads on Bob Backlund. Maybe Bob, <laughs> maybe uh, Dory Funk forgot his pants and had to borrow. And he, he he borrowed some of Bob's. Yeah, maybe or vice versa. Vice versa. Did, yeah. did you notice when Jake the Snake made his entrance? Made mm-hmm. the entrance, showed the snake how well trained that snake was. He put the snake <laughs> in the ring, and the snake crawled right, right back, back into, into the bag. bag. That snake was like, fuck this. They even mentioned it on commentary. Look, his uh, his attendant and his snake handler is right there on the, you know, right there with the bag. And that snake's like, fuck you. Yep. How <laughs> right much does a there. giant snake like that way? That's 200 pound snake. Easy. 150 pound snake. Yeah. 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 Like it was gargantuan. Beefy. That was a beefy boy. Jerry Lawler got the, uh, the, the, the honor of being slithered in the snake. Again, when Jake came out, this is where I lost Henry O'Godwin. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about how King, after- King made the classic under the ring hide for a good 15 I, minutes. I thought that was, yeah. I love that. I like to call it the, it's the reverse Danhausen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, after Dory Funk came out, we got Yokozuna, the one, two, three kid. Um, Takeo Omari. Mm-hmm. Just just listed as Omori. He was from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Sam, do you have it? Does anybody have any background on him? Nope. Uh, I didn't. I didn't look yet. So that's I just made the note of how offensive his entrance music was. <laughs> what was his entrance? I didn't even notice it. Just because I was like, generic Who the fuck is this? Oriental music. Oh, actually, like, you're like you're Oriental. Asian. Here's some uh, here's some woodwinds and some ting tangs, <laughs> and you're you're. Fucking my yeah. guy said ting tangs. My ting tangs. <laughs> I, I believe that it was used for Kayentai later. Probably. I mean, it is I, I, so I, I, offensive. I yeah. Like, well, um, your personality is Asian, so here's your Asian music. <laughs> well, I mean, they, you didn't really have a chance to build <laughs> build. No, any story but they could have just did a gener- generic guitar track or something, but well, something non-Asian. Is, yeah, maybe. Oof. It, in in '96, who the hell? was watching new japan wrestling right and wwf that's what i thought too i'm like what yeah like we don't get this yeah. readily available anywhere in the united states unless you have yeah. like the old satellite that would sit in the yard and you programmed it and it <laughs> moved yeah g5 channel four thank you that's the only way you could really watch yep. new japan and in, in america unless you were a tape trader so like that was really the weirdest pick to me. I, I thought that, and I was like, okay. And then, of course, this is you get Doug Gilbert. <laughs> well, pre pre knowledge of de- of death match as well. Actually, before before Gilbert came out, we had uh, Savio Vega and the debut of Big Van Vader, the master. Yeah, I, w- I think that was his first match in the Fed, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Came out being big and beefy. And the main story of the first half of the Royal Rumble was Yokozuna versus Van Vader and them teaming up, which had a couple wonderful spots where they crushed Henry O'Godwin, I think. Maybe that's what happened. Like you didn't just even smished him into the to the mat. Well, like you didn't even see him behind, but I think that might have been with Viscera. I don't know. All I know is they had two big guys stacked on him and then the other one s- s- smashed him. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. 
Um, after Vader, we get the aforementioned USWA. Uh, I guess he won a battle royal to qualify Doug Gilbert. Also uh, uh, tag champ with uh, Tommy Rich. And Kurt Henning was tag team, tag team with him. He yeah. mentioned that. It, in commentary, he also was the only, Vince had no idea who he was. Which <laughs> and the thing was they, they said, you know, Vince said, who, who is this? Yeah. And they, they said his name and then they just kind of went like, eh. and then they kind of provide a little more information. Like, oh, I guess he's from, you know, USWA. I guess he did this. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Perfect goes, I was his tag team partner. Yeah. It's like, you're not guessing. Didn't you know who Kurt. the fuck he was then? You know? <laughs> Why think, did you pretend you didn't know who he was? I think that's the forbidden door, even though they said USWA and new Japan in the commentary. I thought that was funny. The fact that, you know, MLW has that lawsuit that, Hey, we don't, they don't play with anybody. They've been playing with other federations forever. For years and years. Well, even with Dory Funk, because he wasn't a part of WWF at the yeah, time. Yeah, they mentioned he was an NWA champion. Yep. That was, and it, um, didn't they mention that the, so to three make him that relevant? Yeah. New to Japan. make him relevant, yeah. they mentioned that. Oh, no. Mikey's on the pod. He was Tory. He's Terry Funk's brother, is what they were mentioning. And. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just imitating Mikey. Yeah, there yeah, he goes. I'm He's back. back. <laughs> no, they, they mentioned that Terry Funk was invited. But he was in Germany or something. Right. He was in Germany watching live right now. Yeah. Um, also, I want to I want to bring up before I forget one of the advantages of actually watching the Twitch stream. Uh, not only do we get the fun pause screens when we lose a little bit of connection, mm-hmm. but we also get Sam Roach's facials. Um, not, you know, facials as <laughs> <laughs> in the adult sense, but when you were talking about. Razor Ramon's sneer, and you did Razor Ramon's sneer. Uh-huh. Definitely a must see piece. You should probably and, and they would cut know that, that out. when 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 you mentioned he had the sneer and the thing, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. would know that you're talking about his toothpick because you pointed to where the toothpick was. You yeah, and the like, thing. <laughs> Very good. That, that's a big advantage of the Twitch stream. Just want to throw that out there. Um, after Doug Gilbert, we had what's listed on this website as the squat team, number one and two. It's actually the Samoan squat, uh, the Samoan SWAT, SWAT team. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, twins, Vince didn't know who either one of them were. Which are the headhunters? Headhunter A, Headhunter B, a.k.a. the Mushroom the Boys from Stranglemania, the Ponderosa in the Sweden house. Shout out to the Ponderosa. Let's be real. Just want to throw that out there. The Deathmatch Wrestler Supremes, uh, big over there in New Japan. God damn it, dude. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't think you'd bring up the Ponderosa. I'm not going to be able to get past it. What? Bring up the Ponderosa in the Sweden house? <laughs> yes, How can you forget Ponderosa. the Mushroom Boys, bud? No, it's it's my favorite. <laughs> it's going to make me like cry laughing. <laughs> I, 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 right, I, I forgot that the Headhunters had like a three-match run in WWE until that. I was like, oh my yeah. God, the Headhunters fucking sweet. The Ponderosa in the Sweden house. <laughs> Remember the sheet came out in that first one? The Iron Sheet came out and he had that giant fucking hernia that looked like a fishbowl on oh, his belly. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Shaggy two dopes like, look at the fishbowl. <laughs> Favorite piece of commentary of all time. Um, after the Samoan SWAT team, uh, Owen Hart came out, and we had HBK Hakushi, uh, the Native American Tatanka, the Portuguese Man of War Aldo Montoya, Diesel, Kamu Mustafa, the Million Dollar Champion, Steve Austin, uh, Barry Horowitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had a 
healthy looking Rikishi Fatu, very small assed. Um, we had Isaac Yankum, DDS, um, Marty Janetti, <laughs> the British Bulldog, and of course, Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Solid 30. Solid 30. Like I said, the first half of the show, the first half of the World Rumble was essentially building Yokozuna and 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 the Mastodon, Big Van Vader. Uh, Jim Cornette issue. was involved. Yeah, I have a major uh, issue with Vader's uh, Vader's involvement in this match and how it ended. Okay, speak. Vader on. eliminated everybody. Yeah, he did. After he, he threw was everyone eliminated, out. he was he already eliminated though. But okay, but he threw everybody out. Mm-hmm. So if that's the rules that they're going by, after Hulk Hogan was eliminated, he pulled Sid Sid Vicious out, mm-hmm. and Sid right. was eliminated. Uh, there have been many battle royals. WrestleMania two. William Perry got eliminated. He pulled Big John Studd out. That counted. Why did they change the rules for this one? <laughs> because wrestling. This one? Because wrestling. Everybody was eliminated. <laughs> yeah, Vader threw everyone out. Doesn't need to make You're sense. Right. It's just wrestling for the year, bud. But I, I get you. Going, this is awesome. Vader just eliminated everybody. They're going to have like, they better get a couple guys out here quick so that we can have a match. Mm-hmm. And then everybody, they're like, everybody gets to go back in. I'm like. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a I couple agree. a couple years back, remember when Lesnar did that? Lesnar just eliminated everybody mm-hmm. and then just waited in the ring for the next guy to come down to get eliminated. Yeah. I just want but, yeah, it, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it just that 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 got I was like, okay, they just changed the rules. Did something happen that wasn't supposed to happen or because when everyone was eliminated by by Vader after his elimination, they all got to get back in the ring and keep going. Well, and I thought, there was one faux pas in the match. Uh, right. Something did happen that wasn't supposed yeah, to happen. Steve Austin was um, not supposed to be eliminated uh, when he was. He was supposed to be one of the final four. Oh, I know that. This is, at, this is accurate. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was eliminated on accident by Fatu. Yep. Correct. Later on, he, he, he did it for The Rock. This is, again, what I'm going to throw out there. I made the he note that... Sa- Savio Vega died that night. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, yeah, he was smashed. He got that double mid. splash <laughs> first by uh, Ve- by by y- by Yokozuna. Which, if you notice, the entire ring shifted when he did that corner splash, and then to have that follow up by the Mastodon Vader, I was like, I don't think that's the same Savio Vega who came back the next night on Monday. Well, and then they had then they had after this after the corner smash, they did Van Vader. Did a did a, a a splash on him on the ring, mm-hmm. and then the huge leg drop. Right, so, like said, so he died. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, that's Savio not, Vega part good. two. That's that's a clone. Um, and I just want to say that Jin Sasanzaki is is the business. I love Hakushi. He uh, should have got a title run of some sort in in that company, whether it be IC or a tag champ, because he's the business. And I say that because I'm a Hayabusa Mark, and that was his tag team partner. Boom. Just want to throw that out there. Okay. Love you. It's fine. Was HBK it? wins yeah. the Royal Rumble. <laughs> HBK does. <laughs> he uh, he does a super kick, knocks out his his good friend Diesel, and then post match he pulls his trunks off of his tights and pulls his pants down, mons pubis deep. Mm-hmm. Like you're almost. We are nearly seeing dick neck. <laughs> yeah, we're we're a dick neck point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Diesel comes back into the ring and saves us all from seeing the dick neck. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Diesel for that. Like he's the real MVP. Because I saved the day. 
I don't know how WWF would have came back from that. HBK's dick neck. They'd have been fine. <laughs> Just you fine. think? Oh, yeah. It was 96. It was the Wild West of wrestling. It's fine. Speaking of William Regal, William Regal once showed his whole dog on national TV. He did. I did not know that. Monday Night Raw, he walked out uh, of the shower, and he didn't get his towel around him fast enough, and there was his little Dillsnick. Like that made actual TV? Yeah. It was was a pay-per-view. It's it's out there on YouTube. It's out there on YouTube if you want to see it it right now. I'll I'll mark that with my Hogan dong, dong watching later. I'll, I'll do the Hogan I, you know and then the Stephen Rinkle right after. I'm going to rewatch that video because Mikey watches it probably four or five times a day, and I really like where he's at in life. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Again, you can learn more about that if you go check out the uh, Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour three-hour retrospective on the Hollywood career of Hulk Hogan. Uh, we all have the Royal a lot Ru- of Mr. Perfect talk on there. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. yeah. After the Royal Rumble. Yes, sir. We had the main event of the evening. Mm-hmm. We had The Undertaker with Paul Bear, complete with facial appliance. The Phantom Versus. of the Opera version of Undertaker. Well, it's like the full-on Phantom of the Opera rather than the half-seas. Well, it's okay if you want to get all fine. The Cato K- K- version of Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> we- <laughs> Versus the greatest of all time, Brett the Hitman Hart. Is that your claim? Greatest of all time, Brett the Hitman Hart? Oh, I really think, yeah. Is that who you would vote? Is that your Mount Rushmore? Is that your first head? Uh, I don't even know if he'd be on Mount Rushmore. I think he's just the greatest wrestler, though. Okay, I agree. Like, I don't, I I don't think, I don't think Brett Hart brings value Mount Rushmore wise. I think best wrestler, probably, but like, he doesn't draw compared to Steve Austin, The Rock, Cosmo. 100%. 100%. I co-sign. So does CM Punk. So mm-hmm. <laughs> probably he, did. Right. he cried about it. It's fine. Wept hard. Mm-hmm. Hard. <laughs> Let's talk about this last match. Bret Hart versus the Phantom of the Hour. Undertaker. Um, shout out to, there were several people with Down syndrome in the front row. I did during, not notice that. During the main event, I noticed at least three people. Uh, one with a mohawk. Young man got the Bret Hart shades. Nice. The classic. That the one classic I did notice. Um, this is also a face versus face match, which is, is it was pretty fun. Um, it had a very slow, methodical plotting pace. Very the psychology was there. R- Brett the Hitman Hart was working on Undertaker's leg. Um, the Undertaker was working on Brett's face. Eventually, um, Brett and of course Brett's working the leg to get the get the sharpshooter on. Uh, he eventually gets the facial appliance off of the undertaker and starts working on his face. Um, it all ends in hokey fashion. Thanks to the big D <laughs> diesel. Yeah. Um, yep. what are you guys' thoughts? Um, I was thinking this was two masters doing master shit. Um, they let things breathe, but to the point of too much, I, I, I really yes. felt, as you said, this was slow pace city, to where a point it was a detriment. Like they should have let thing, they should have cut their, their timing in half. Almost. I feel like the breathing period was like, okay, we're fat and out of shape. <laughs> we need to catch breath. Not right. through the fact it was telling a story. Um, and the fact is neither one of them are. Yeah. That was, that's another reason that I really agree with you here where they could have cut it because they're both in phenomenal condition and uh, they're, they're the top 
they're the top of the the trade. Yeah. But and, like I said, the two masters that. doing master shit. It was just right. slow, like really slow. Right. Why was it so like, yeah, why was it so slow? Yeah. I, I'm fine with it being slow, but like it definitely should have had more of a Razor Ramon gold dust pacing. For sure. Um, and then I do want to give a shout out to the picture perfect Russian leg sweep delivered by Bret Hart on The Undertaker. Great. It was a five star uh, Russian leg sweep. So big shout outs there. Uh, and then my, my summation of the matches, I gave it three and a half stars. I, I really thought it could have been a, a four to five star match if they would have picked up pacing because it, it did, it told the story from top to bottom. There were, there was body parts worked, you know, the, the face thing came into play at the end. It was just a like, clean finish would have also probably put it over. Exactly. That, that was, was another thing finish mm-hmm. at the Royal rumble. And like, this is a major pay-per-view in 1996. At this time, it is established as a major pay-per-view um, that needed a clean finish. In my opinion, that was definitely something that was a, was a detriment to the match. In addition to the slow pacing. Yeah. The only thing, the only way I would accept it, a non-clean match, if it was a Paul bear interference, I think again, with putting in an additional, wrestler for the finish i feel again that overbooking or or just cheap shit i don't i'm not a fan of that i I think it should be also it's building that story for i think undertaker and kevin nash did they even fight each other at wrestlemania that year i don't know i can't wait to find out (laughs) i don't think think that they did because i don't think kevin nash is on the 21 and 0 or whatever Hmm. but like that's that i mean that had to be what they were starting that story sure anyway go on but yeah um so yeah i just i was but that was the end. You know, I just, I, I felt the, uh, the diesel ending was, was shit. It should have been, if it was going to be a DQ or, or interruption, it should have been Paul bear with the urn or something, but, uh, still it was, it was a clinic. It's definitely something, you know, other wrestlers nowadays could look to, to maybe slowing down their matches, but not to that degree because it was pretty slow, but I enjoyed it. Great match. Yeah. It, was, it was, it was a great match. My, the issues that I have aren't, necessarily with the match but during undertaker's entrance diesel stepped up and had a confrontation with him yeah that was why too i noticed that too. i was why like why was diesel still out there i, I because, thought that was so strange yeah that, that was a long celebration well but Shawn michaels wasn't still out there mm-hmm. Shawn michaels had left obviously diesel yeah. was not hurt and laying ringside selling the the injury because he was in the ring with Shawn michaels they doubled so he was down just, on the diesel he was just hanging out there double and down then, on the d yeah was he hanging out to confront the undertaker you know Definitely. and then they they wouldn't they wouldn't but nobody would budge and then finally they just kind of parted ways and mean mugged each other and went you know their separate ways um the other thing i i didn't have a problem necessarily with the facial appliance I knew why it was there. Uh, Mabel had crushed Undertaker's orbital bone in another match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legit. So he had to have that. But the commentary team, they were selling, oh my God, the Undertaker, he doesn't feel pain. Nothing can hurt him. Then why does he have a protective thing on his fucking face? <laughs> Honestly, he why? obviously had gotten injured. He obviously was trying to protect an injury. But he can't be hurt. Nothing can injure him. But he's got that mask on. I love Moy Caliente Mikey. It just <laughs> straight, I mean, up straight down. 
Like these last two matches have really put him into the heat Moy Caliente Mikey mode. <laughs> like if we can have some music for my for when this happens. Just tell me when you need it and I'll I'll get that I'll get that bitch queued up next week. <laughs> Moy Caliente Mikey. Th- we'll th- those are the things just the, and they were small things. They really didn't have a lot of bearing on the match, but I noticed them. And it's like that makes no sense to say those things or to have to have Diesel out there just to fuck with the Undertaker on his way to the ring did not make <laughs> any sense. Overall analysis of the pay per view, I thought it was a positive. Uh, I I actually really enjoyed it. Again, my expectations have been set at a certain position due to our previous projects. So this definitely this definitely moved the bar up. Uh, I thought it was well worked. I thought it was pretty decently produced. Uh, they did also do another thing that's a staple now is they did a post show, the Royal Rumble Plus, uh, that they showed us on on the Peacock there. Uh, they had a couple interviews with Gorilla Monsoon, the then president, setting up uh, the the matches for the next WWE pay-per-view, which is a uh, In Your House coming in February that we will probably cover in a couple weeks, or uh, depending on how we decide we're going to do the 1996 series. Um, but overall it was, it was definitely enjoyable and I'm glad that I, I think this is a good choice putting this in with the deep dives. What do you guys think? I, my, my only note is, you know, going back to older pay-per-views, it's amazing how much the production has changed. Like they had the small entry cove with a screen above it, a little, little, little 12 foot by 12 foot screen. And that was it. <laughs> like no pyro. Yeah. They had really shitty ring lights. Like I remember when the body Donna's came in, they had like three or four colored lights in the ring spinning around. That was it. Like now it razor the, Ramon had some really good pr- pyro. Well, I mean, you know, had, like everyone that, that had point, pyro. Yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't everybody. Camera, can, can focus. You son of a bitch. There we go. Um, yeah, I just, I thought that was really wild. How I'm just used to so much overproduced entrances and, rampways and stuff. It's just like, wow, here's a tunnel. Someone's coming out of it. A little tiny screen, some lights, minimal pyro. I kind of, I kind of missed that a little bit. I think, uh, you know, I, I've heard NWA power is, is very reminiscent of old school entrances. Absolutely. It's very minimalistic. I don't even think they have rent entrance music. Do they? In NWA power? Yeah, they do. Yeah, oh, they do. Too. Okay. I kind of like that. Like I like the little simple thing. I think it's overproduced. The augmented reality in WWE gots to go. It got yeah, to go. Yeah. This really made it seem over, but, uh, I really enjoyed the throwback and, and, and seeing everyone's come up and, you know, for example, Chris Candido to where he became the, you know, fucking Billy Gunn is still out there in better shape. In my opinion, currently in AEW, you know, it's just, it's neat. And it filled me full of warm feelings and it wasn't really that bad. I, I expected it to be kind of shitty, and it wasn't kind of shitty. It was just the main event was kind of slow and man, the Royal Rumble, I could have left it. Like I didn't really care one way or another. There was, you know, it was just neat seeing older faces and then the what the fuck mom moments with, with Dory Funk and, and, uh, Omaru, that was his name. I can't remember what Omari, Omari. Omari thank you. And, and Doug Gilbert. I was like, what? <laughs> now with the Royal Rumble, I think that that's something that they could really improve on in the current product is not have, the main event guy win it. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Like, I really think that there's got to be some surprise back into the Royal rumble because this year's was probably the worst and, and, you know, no zero surprises. And you knew exactly who was going to win going in, even though 
whatever. You know what I mean? And, and I just think that the last time they did something where someone in the Royal Rumble won that wasn't expected to was Billy Gunn, and they junked it. Yeah. And they, they just went with the main event. And I just think that, that that really, that's why they're not building new stars, because they're not putting people into a new star. Yeah, they're not putting people over in the Royal Rumble where they have a perfect opportunity to be like, this person won for no fucking reason. Right. Matt Riddle wins it. Now all of a sudden he's in the fucking title thing and that's it. That's a good thing. But that's, that's jumping forward. That's opinion. Mikey, what are your final thoughts on just the pay-per-view overall and how you feel about going forward with the 1996 project? I, I think that watching, this is the wrestling that I watch anyways. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy the network and, and all that because you can go back and watch things again, knowing what you know now. You know, and watch it with with a more educated look. Watch it with, you know, not. Uh, I think that that when you watched it back then, you were so invested in what was going on back then, and you didn't know anything else. Now we know everything. We, we know <laughs> yeah. everything. You know, the curtain has been pulled back. We've seen the man behind the curtain, and now we can look and say, "Oh, obviously, this is why they did this," because I know what's going to happen three months from now. Right. You know, I remember what happens a year from now and I know where all these people end up. I think that I am getting more enjoyment out of it, watching it now, you know, going back and analyzing it. And, you know, it's a nostalgic feeling. Yes, but it's also fun to do because you kind of know how things work. Mm-hmm. You know how the business works a little better just from being around it. You know, we've all gotten a little more kind of invested in the business doing this show, doing other projects we've done and like having some production knowledge, you know, maybe we don't all do the same level of production, but just having that knowledge of what it takes to do this. You're like, wow, that's not just a flashing light. That's, that means this, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that adds this to it. This is why they did that. I, I enjoy it. I, I think, yeah, moving forward, it's going to be a blast to watch these storylines develop again with a little more knowledge. Right. And being able to compare and contrast that. is a really neat additional oh. aspect of it. Yeah. Right? Being able to find the parts that we really enjoy and then the parts that are better now. Like, it's, yes. it's cool to have that insight. Um, also, one more question on this, what you guys want to do. Uh, what I want to know what you guys want to do. Do you want to do the first WCW pay-per-view of 1996 next? Or do you want to just go through the year in WWE and then go back and do the year in WCW and then go back and do the year in ECW? What route do you guys want to go? Personally, I would like to do it chronologically. Whatever, Whether if it's ECW or WCW or WWE next, just whatever pay-per-view came up in the calendar. That's the way I'd like to do it. Okay, so you want you want the next chronological date, not stick to one Fed and go all the way through to to kind of go through the storyline. Yeah, I, I I like it that way just because it keeps a pulse on the entire okay. year as a whole. Because I mean, it's kind of what it is. It's a retrospective of the year of '96. I think because then we get to see all right. WCW was here when WWF was here, right. and then ECW was here when. The, okay, I, I, that's fine with me. Because ECW yeah. is going to be fucking wild, in my opinion. Yeah, yes. 1996 is where shit really hit the fan with ECW, yep. where it really amped up. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, next week we're going to be back with another deep dive. Uh, it's going to be 
Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler. Yes. So tell all your friends if you've ever had any interest in the Brooklyn Brawler, which I know you all have. All of you. <laughs> so tune in. You. Also, go out there, follow us on all the social medias. Be sure to tune in uh, to our brother podcast, brother and sister podcasts, uh, Fatter Day and the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. Um, again, go follow us on all the social medias, the Instagrams, the Twits. Sub the to YouTube. us. Follow us. Um, that helps. Our paper... Our, our podcasts are available on YouTube. Again, they're on Twitch for a week after we originally post them. And then they're going to be available wherever you can get podcasts uh, later on in the week. But it's it, it's all there. There's many ways to see the Russian leg sweep. Uh, go out and support local professional wrestling as well as local, local performers everywhere that you can. Uh, you guys got any closing shots before we, we shut down shop for the, for the day? You're handsome and you're handsome. That's all I got to say. Ooh. Honky Boy City. <laughs> honky Boy City. Do I like we love you boys? We love everyone. Yeah, I do. We really yeah. do. Shout out to the, uh, what's our network again, Mikey? The Electronic Media Collective. The EMC. Go follow the them EMC. on Facebook. There's a bunch of cool shows uh, that you can check out, including, what's Sid Vicious's show called, Mikey? The Vicious Circle Podcast. I heard the vicious circle. I heard that Sid is going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame along with uh, Van Vader and the Undertaker. Very heavy yes. in the 1996. So movie. now we're a Hall of Fame podcast network. Deal with it, yes, <laughs> fuckers. H O F. All right. You know, I remember. I remember somebody did this last week. It's not a big deal, but I, I met Mick Foley. That's you did. Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't bring that up in the what you do this week thing. Yeah, I, I totally forgot. What? what you know, no big deal. Wearing, just, just yeah. icon. If, if you see him wearing that that green T-shirt with the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians logo on it, that's I my shirt. Yep, I saw that. Yep, dupe. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey so. with the dub. We good? All right, guys, yeah. going home. This good. is this has been the Russian leg sweep. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. It's the Russian leg sweep.